and beyond i get i get so tired when entrepreneurs you know that are you know that are on a platform say oh never work for free get what you're worth every just about every great one i've met did what they did for free for a while sometimes to learn and i think it's a disservice to the people that are listening that are just starting out like no i don't i gotta charge for what i'm worth well you're not worth anything yet i'm sorry to tell you that nobody cares and i think it was a thing that i had to learn very early in my career every step of the way nobody cares and I think if you could say that from the beginning, you have to go earn it. Just because you're good at podcasting, or just because you're good at taking pictures or coaching, nobody cares until you prove yourself. And I don't think enough people hear that. And I embrace that. Nobody go earn it. I don't care if it's my book, my whatever it is, go earn it. And I think that's hard for some people. And I think it's what's wrong with the job world is you get paid right away for something that you haven't proved yourself for. So then people... So people often don't appreciate it. They don't put their effort in. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're only getting paid if you do the work. Arguably, one of the most appealing aspects of pursuing entrepreneurialism is the fact that there are so many paths that you can take to success and so few rules laid out along the way. I mean, let's face it. Many of us just aren't cut out for the nine to five. And when we realized that we couldn't assimilate into the system, what did we do? We set out on entrepreneur adventure of our own in search of freedom and success on our own terms. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. Please welcome our guest for today, Mr. Vincent Puglisi, founder of Total Life Freedom Community. Vincent has been on an entrepreneurial journey of his own for quite some time and has picked up some tips, some tricks, some lessons, and a lot of wisdom along the way that he shares with us today. Vincent has also created a community specifically for entrepreneurs and helps them find the freedom and pursue the success that they desire. And with that, I'll turn it over to our host, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. What's up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to another edition of the Entrepreneur Adventure. Are you tired of being shackled to your job or your business? Are you tired of rules? Are you looking for more freedom? Freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of location, work anywhere, Josh. That sounds awesome, right? That's awesome. If that interests you, Today is the day we are excited for our guest. He's an author, a coach. He's living a life of freedom and going to teach you how to do the same. Welcome, V-Man, Vinny, Vincent Puglisi. Welcome to the podcast, man. That You got three of the names in there right like that. Perfect start. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be more as we get on into this episode. Uh, some you've heard and some Josh and I are going to make up on the fly. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining us today, man. Thanks for having me. This is, this, is so, this is fun. I like it. So we know this isn't your first podcast adventure. You have your no. own podcast, right? But it's like, is it public now or is it just to a private group? No, we, I did it for a year and a half to our community. And then I went public about two years ago. We're almost at 700 episodes daily. Oh, 700 daily. episodes. Daily solo show. All right. What's yep. the name of your podcast, Vincent? Total Life Freedom Podcast. So Total Life Total Freedom. Total Life Freedom. I'm in for that. Oh, Sign yeah. me up. That's what I'm looking for. So don't leave us yet. But you want to go after this episode's over, you want to go subscribe to Vincent's podcast. But Vincent, man, kick us off, dude. So you've lived and are living, in fact, hitting another, like, I call it a peak here, a uh, summit level of the entrepreneur adventure. But man, tell us a little bit of your story what's your entrepreneur adventure? And again, throw some nicknames in there too, man, because I know you got a bunch of them. 
Yeah, it, it has. It's funny because you almost feel like a hypocrite when you hear this. Like, I, I, I guess now, right? We, we, you hit strides, but you still see yourself from when you were really struggling. I don't know about you guys, but like, I still kind of feel like an imposter even when it's going well. So like, have I really proved it? And is it going to stay? And I think, I think that drives me. We always kind of look at the next year like it's all going to go away. So let's, let's not only appreciate it, but let's do the best with what we've got to make sure that if it does, like when COVID hit, we were like, holy, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. And it actually increased. It's been an amazing year. But last March, when that all happened, you said, prepare yourself because I think you need to be. And I think when you're set up for it, it makes it easier. Um, so yeah, um, where, do I, where do we start with this? Uh, the idea of when I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I was, I was a, a student who grew up feeling dumb because I didn't go along with what everybody was telling me in school. And I always was dreaming and they were telling me, do what we need you to do. But I'm like, I don't really care about what you're telling me to, to study. Oh, you, so, don't, you, you didn't want to like work real hard at school and then go work every day from somebody else for 40 years. And just when you're old enough to not enjoy it, retire. And, yeah, no, and that, no. that wasn't the life society well, it, was driving you towards. It made no sense at 14 years old to be taking it. No, again, no offense to teachers, but I'm like, you're telling me what to do, but you're stuck in this building all day. <laughs> so you're telling me what to do. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to show up early in the morning and deal with people like me and, you know, move around when a bell rings. Sounds like torture to me. So I'm going to follow your, so I remember just drifting out. I remember being very much into sports and, and even though I don't care right now, I became a sports photographer. That was my first foray into this. The problem was when I went to my guidance counselor, she's like, you know, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I, I, I said to her, I said, I don't know. I just don't want to wear a tie. And, and I remember being in her dark, gloomy office and she looked at me and she said, no, I'm being serious. I said, no, I'm being serious. I don't want to wear a tie. And she said, get out. Cause she had already dealt with me for like two years. So she was like, just go. <laughs> um, but what happened was I was, I, I would, but I would study and my, my teachers would write stuff down. Like, she doesn't really care about this, but he'll, he'll write about sports and he'll do stats and all that type of stuff. And I went on for six years and I struggled. I, I dropped out of college five times. I was arrested. Everything you can imagine from 16 to 22, 23, I did, I did wrong. But what happened one night was I was so down and depressed because I'm working in a crappy job that, my dad came downstairs at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And I was just, I had this just nightmare. Like what is going on with my life? I thought I got, a, I, I had a dream that I got arrested again. Cause I had been arrested about two, two years earlier. I had a nightmare about it. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? It's the first time it ever happened in my head that I really got serious. And my dad, who I didn't get along with, obviously, as you can tell by the way I was, he said, he said, he said, well, you like taking pictures. You like sports, you like traveling. Why don't you become a photographer? And I was so bad at life that I had no expectations and I had nothing, you know, I had no, nothing that anybody was saying, Oh, you really, you're going to let us down. If you don't, you know, go to Harvard, you don't get this job as an accountant. I had nobody, I had nothing to lose. And it was almost one of the greatest moments of my life. Cause I basically said, what do I want to do? Oh my goodness. I could actually be on a field with my heroes, taking pictures of them and getting paid. And that's my job. They never told me that in school. So I go back to my guidance counselor and I think, if she would have said to me, you know, you're not going to be good at this, but you know what there, you know what job there is? You could be doing this and, and you'll, you'll be next to the New York Mets and the Pittsburgh Steelers and you'll be in the locker room. And that, that could be your job and you get paid for that. I thought about it. I was like, if she would have told me that, I would have been the best student in Roslyn High School ever. But instead, I was the worst student. 
because I didn't care about what they were teaching me. So I always knew that there was a disconnect, even to the point where when I was graduating high school, all my friends were going to these great colleges. My friend Raj said, where are you going to school? I said, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea, but I'll figure something out. And I remember being confident when I said it, but not knowing why I was confident. So that was the origin of eventually going into the first foray, which was photography, and then eventually building a business off of that. So that was the first, first part of it. Man, it's so interesting, Vincent, what you said there too is you're like, I would have been the best student there was at the school had they been able to attach what I was doing there every single day to a future I desired. Yeah. But it wasn't right. It's just like, well, no, we're just, we're, this is the employee farm. Yes. And we have to get you to, to get the crop to the stage where we can harvest it in graduation and then go get you a job. And you're like, not for me. So, no, man, it's so sense. cool to see that, the attachment there, though. I mean, it's so easy to lose sight of your dream or to not connect it to that. And it does. It affects us in our daily performance if we're not attached to something bigger or better in the future. We're just kind of meandering through life, you know, like uninspired. So your dad helped you get that idea oh, then. Totally, totally. And, and they supported it. First of all, why wouldn't they actually had ambition for the first time in years? So it's like anything would have been good. Like, thank God so we they, can get this kid out of the house. Exactly. But then they see me doing this cool stuff. And then all of a sudden they get to tell their, their friends like, oh yeah, that's, that's him on the sidelines. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. all like, I'm, then I'm shooting the Super Bowl and I'm shooting the world series and they're flying us out from Muhammad Ali's birthday party and all this stuff that I'm like, how did this happen? It's because that was, it interests me. And that's why we have three boys and we homeschool and everybody goes, well, how do you do school? Like, I'm not a teacher. People say like, we're not teachers, we're guides. What we want to do is we want to guide them towards things they're interested in because when they like what they're learning, They'll read about it. But when I tell them to read it, they don't want to read. Here's the crazy thing about this. That life, those stories and that exhilaration and those experiences, that's what everybody craves. Mm. But it goes against 99% of where society tries to take you and the journey they try to take you on. So that's glamorous and sexy and awesome and fun and exciting and exhilarating and doing what you love and, and being around um, all these stars and, and athletes mm-hmm. and everybody wants those conversations. And yeah, your, your parents telling those conversations at dinner parties, but it's interesting because that type of experience and story is craved by society, but the teaching goes oh, yeah. for 20 years goes against the exact opposite of that life. So it, it doesn't line up. It does, and it really is interesting when you think about it, like you guys with your podcast and your businesses and with that and what I'm doing now, there are no classes for that in regular school. There's no classes for, oh, here's how to be a sports photographer. There was no class for that. Like there was almost like this secret menu of the world out there that we weren't given while we were in school. You, you said it like you told your buddy, like, I don't know, but I, I'll figure something out. I'll figure yeah. it out. That's, that's an everyday like entrepreneurial challenge. Like Totally. I don't know. I've never done this before. I've never worked for a company that's done this before. We just got to figure it out. Yeah. It's funny. You're saying that too, man, with the, you know, you mentioned like the secret menu. It made me think when you said secret menu, for whatever reason, it made me think of the old Nintendo game, uh, super Contra or Contra or whatever it was. You oh, could like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you like, you get the 30 lives and all that stuff. But it was like, Hey, you could hack into this level of the game that made it where you could win a lot easier. And you're yeah. right. Like our, for whatever reason, education system doesn't tend to do to give you that kind of cheat code, so to speak, or that hack that so many of us, if we do get it, we can expedite success in our life. You know, just love what we do. And I don't blame the teachers. They're put in a system where they can't do anything about it. Oh yeah. Most of them don't know the hack either. 
No. And then what are you going to do? You're going to fight it and get fired. You know, you're, you're stuck in there. You're, you're going to want to be tenured, all this type of stuff. But the type of thing is how can they do that for everybody? How could yeah. they take Chad and Josh and Vincent? Everybody had their own individual pet. They could never control that. They couldn't. That's why they don't do it. They need to have us all when the bell rings at eight 50, go in line. Yeah. If we say, no, I'm not ready yet. I don't want to do it. How they can't, they, they need to have it controlled. I just don't want to be controlled. That was the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's right in there with you. So so you launch out then, then into your career, a career that you can get excited about. Again, it puts yep. you on the field with some of your heroes. Yep. You're loving what you do. But yep. at this point, you still you have a job, right? I have a lot of different jobs. <laughs> I, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was all over the place. This was the thing when that started. You know, I was a waiter. I did everything you could to, to pay the bills to then be able to do what I want to do. I didn't have a qualm. I didn't have any qualms with working. I was a hard worker. So I, I had two jobs a waiter and working at a photo lab so that I can then do my free job, which is interning, which is where we come with the nickname. I was working for a place called Bruce Bennett Studios, which was a team photographer for the New York Islanders and Rangers and New Jersey Devils. My dream job that didn't pay anything, but I was more excited there than I was getting paid at the restaurant because it was towards what I wanted. So I came in and I'm the intern and, you know, New Yorkers as they are come up with nicknames and I became the Vintern. That was my, that was my first nickname. And then they, I got elevated. I got elevated. I got my first, they're going to pay me now. So I, but it was minimum wage. So then I became minimum wage and that's where all my nicknames started sticking and they kept going from there. That is so funny, man. You should write, that should be like a chapter in your book, right? From, from Vintern to minimum wage. I mean, it's just such a cool nickname. Yeah, I want to work for your old boss. I know. Cause I want some of those nicknames. Marketing genius. What would I be? He was, it was the guys that we worked with, a bunch of hockey fans that were just the funniest, just like sarcastic guys. Like you can't be there without having a thick skin and learning how to give and take because yeah. you'll get destroyed. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, still friends to this day, which is pretty cool. One, one of my friends just saw it two weeks ago and about a month ago in, in Florida. He's now the head photographer for WWE oh. um, for the last 20 years. So we worked it. So they, everybody's gone on down their own cool stuff. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So you go then. So again, you're chasing down your dream, chasing your yep. passion, but you're working for free to do it as an intern. And then you have side jobs to help yep. pay the bills so that you can chase this passion. It sounds like. Yes. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's so exactly. funny. We've heard that on the podcast so many times where yeah. somebody's like, man, I had this thing. I was fired up about it. So I just, I worked as a bartender and I went and worked here for free so yeah. I could learn, you know, get, I could get around it. And I could, I knew that one day I'd be able to turn it. I'd be able to go from Vintern to minimum wage, man, you know, and then and beyond I get I get so tired when entrepreneurs, you know, that are, you know, that are on a platform say, oh, never work for free. Get what you're worth. Every just about every great one I've met did what they did for free for a while sometimes oh, yeah. to learn. And I think it's a disservice to the people that are listening that are just starting out to be like, no, I don't I got to charge for what I'm worth. Well, you're not worth anything yet. I'm sorry to tell you that nobody cares. Yeah. And I think it was a thing that I had to learn very early in my career, every step of the way. Nobody cares. And I think if you could say that from the beginning, you have to go earn it. Just because you're good at podcasting or just because you're good at taking pictures or coaching, nobody cares until you prove yourself. And I don't think enough people hear that. And I embrace that. Nobody go earn it. Yeah. I don't care if it's my book, my whatever it is, go earn it. And I think that's hard for some people. Man, that's awesome advice, man. Because you're right. Like you do got to, in order for you to extract value, you have to be able to create and provide value. And in the entrepreneur world, you got to provide the value before you can extract it. The job world may be different. You may can get a paycheck before you get, you know, before you're producing Training. anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an awesome first lesson for somebody wanting to start a side gig or be an entrepreneur. That's your first lesson in business. 
Yeah. If you can't generate revenue, you're not going to get paid. No. Why would I, as a business owner, pay you for a year when you're not generating two or three times what I'm paying you in revenue? It doesn't make sense from a business decision. So, And then you look at it on the other side of you pay tens of thousands of dollars, in some case hundreds of thousands of dollars, to go to college to get an education that you're probably rarely ever going to use in real life scenarios, but you want somebody to pay you to get an education in business and something you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's like, yeah. come on now, let's yeah. let's weigh the two out. Totally. And I think it's what's wrong with the job world is you get paid right away for something that you haven't proved yourself for. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. people, so people often don't appreciate it. They don't put their effort in. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're only getting paid if you do the work. Yep. Yeah. And I love that world. That's good. I love that world. So I'm curious here, you, you're, you're living your dream. Uh, things are awesome. You're now getting paid to do photography. Obviously, you're not still doing that. What no. what was the next step in your journey? What changed? What pivoted for you? Yeah, there's a lot of things, and we don't have to go into all of it, but I basically went from being a freelance photographer in New York, learning the hard lessons of business, learning all the things that you do when you're when you're on your own, then eventually becoming an employee, getting a full-time job at a newspaper along with my wife, um, an amazing newspaper in Indiana, Evansville, Indiana, that we both worked at. We crushed it with, with the goals and with the awards, but we were making $15 an hour. And... That's all fine and good until you find out you're having a baby, which we found out <laughs> we're having a baby. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it just, my, my wife wants to stay home with our son. And I realized I'm not making any money. And how am I going to support our family? That was the first moment where I was like, I can't keep doing this because I enjoy it. Um, I got to I gotta grow from this. And so I had a, I had a really interesting conversation because I had just won the biggest award you could win in the world of sports photography. And I got, I came into my boss's office and I got a 3% raise. And they couldn't give me any more than that. And they said, you know, nobody else is getting a raise, so you got to be happy about this. And I left there, and that was the moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I looked around the newsroom, and I saw all the people that were 60 years old, and they just kind of muddling through life, and they complained, but they never do anything about it. And I told Elizabeth, I said, you know, I went home, I called my dad. You know, again, 10 years later, I'm like, you know, I try to work for him because he had his own business. And he said something that changed my life. He said, I'm not going to hire you. I can't give you any work. So now I'm getting rejected by my dad. I'm getting rejected by everybody. And he said, I tried to give you this advice before. I'll tell you again. Maybe you'll listen this time. He goes, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. It changed my life because I said, what do you mean? He said, you're settling. You're settling for a certain amount of money. You're settling for health insurance. You're settling for security. But you've become a good photographer. You didn't used to be a good photographer, but you've become one. He's very honest with me, which I appreciate. He said, you could do whatever you want. You could do corporate work. You could do weddings. You could do pro sports on your own. You could do anything you want. And you're settling for $32,000 a year. You know, that's not something anybody wants to hear from their dad. Like you're not like my, my dad's telling me that I'm being that way. That was really hard. Especially was, when you're crushing it in what you've built and what you're doing. And, you are top of your field and you're settling. That's, that's hard to hear. It is because you're set because because you're it's two different parameters. I'm looking in terms of the work that I'm doing. I'm an artist, yeah. so as long as I'm winning the awards, but I'm not going to be able to feed my family. Am I really crushing it? I didn't think I was. Lack right? of freedom, yeah. Oh, and 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 being on their dime when I'm going to work, you know, weekends off when they tell me vacations. I it was all so constricting. So we said we're starting a business. We're starting a wedding photography business. We called all the different photographers to see if we could work with them. They all said no. I took the phone book. I threw it against the wall. I said. If you can't, they say, if you can't 
beat them, join them. I said, no, well, if you can't join them, we're going to beat them. I called my wife. I said, we're going to start a business. I had no idea what we we're going to do, but we're going to get started. And long story, very short, we took that and within three years built up, you know, within a year built up a six figure business. And then within three years paid off our house and all debt. We did the Dave Ramsey thing. And then six months later, quit our job. And that's when freedom happened. And just like that overnight, there were no money problems and we had all the time in the world. And that was a big, big transition in our life. So you had all, all the time in the world in three years. Yeah. But three for years. three years. You kept your job and built the business. That's exactly right. Just like you did in the beginning of chasing the photography dream. Well, the, the, the method that we used, which I, I wish more people would pay attention to, was we didn't just quit the job and we didn't just take it slowly. What we did was we had, a, we had something attached to it. And, and I came up with this and I talked to Elizabeth and she was, we tweaked it together. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to live off of my income. You're going to leave your job and be home with Andrew because that's the most important thing. More important than money. We can live off of $32,000 a year. This was 19, this is 2005, right? And we've learned to live on very little. In college, I didn't have any money. I'm like, I think people's ex expectations of money sets them back. Oh, I need 130 grand. No, you don't. Nobody needs 130. I don't care what you tell me. You can sell stuff. You don't need it. Um, but that stops people. We're going to live off of my money. And what we're going to do is we're going to build this business and we're going to pay off all of our debt with the money we earn from the business and only that money. Meaning we can't go on a vacation with this money. We can't, you know, do an extension. We can't buy a car. We're going to live off of this and we're going to, we're going to pay off the debt with the business. So guess what it makes you do? It forces you to build a business. It forces you to. So we get it. So every $3,000 wedding we got went right towards the debt. And then you watch the debt go down and you watch your business profit and revenue go up. Now, all of a sudden, when you see that thing, well, all, your debt goes to nothing, your income's over six. Let's go. We're out. It was so, it was, it was the easiest transition that everybody goes, oh, it's so hard. And I think because they don't have a system attached to it. And that system kept the pressure right where you needed it to be. It kept the focus and the pressure all in one area. And talk about knowing your numbers. I think that's the biggest issue with a, issue with a lot of entrepreneurs is they don't know their numbers because they aren't focusing on that money side or have that attachment. I, I love that strategy and system. That's, that's huge. I've, I've never heard anybody approach it uh, and be able to present it in that way. And that's really so, cool, man. So we do, thank you. Thank, I appreciate it. So we do that now. You Now you build out multiple income streams, right? So we go, we call it income stacking. Okay, we want to go do this. We want to travel more. How can we build an arm of the business that is just built for our travel? Okay, so if we do live events and there's $60,000 profit from that in a year, well, that's our travel budget. Let's just create it. As opposed to the scarcity mindset, like I come from the FI community a little bit, but I don't like it because it's so scarcity oh, man. driven. Yes. It's, it's like, how do we, how do we, eat the plywood so we could save a little bit of money. Like I, I had a I friend turn me on to that, man. They're like, oh, you got to check out this, you know, the FI community or fire community, whatever they call it. And I did. And I was like, this isn't for me because I don't want to ride a bicycle to work. Yeah. Is that, oh, I, move to the city and sell your car. And I was like, I don't want to minimize everything. You know what I'm saying? For a season. Yeah. yeah but like. For a season. And, and I get it. But there's, to me, there was so little joy in it. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's build something. Let's, and, and I also found that there's, there's, I've learned and it wasn't that way in photography, but it is now my passion comes from helping other people, right? When I'm just cutting my money, I'm not thinking about anybody but myself. That's what I did. So I get it. Yeah, I, I love, and, and that's what's driven me through a large part of my early career in business and starting different businesses and doing different things. Just like you, I identified something I wanted. 
I identified something I, I wanted to afford or I wanted to change in my life. And then I back ended the business side of, okay, how do I, how do I make enough to achieve this? Or how do I start another income stream or do those things? I, I think having that piece of it, of identifying, this is what I want. Okay. Yes. Now I know what I want. I can build out in my control how to get it, not somebody else's. That's, that's, uh, totally. I think really valuable advice. Um, so how did, okay. Question for you there. Yeah. So, so you and your wife are growing this business. Uh, how did you make the decision on what to do? I know there's a lot of our audience listeners out there. I want to do my own thing. I, w- I want to be in more control. How did, what guided you and what to grow or what to pick or what direction to go in there? In the photography side of it, in that world? Uh, just in, in the decision to, hey, we we want to get out of our jobs at the newspaper. Yeah. We want to grow a business together. What was it well, that y'all decided to do and how did you choose that? That's a great question. I think it's easier than people think because if you're full-time employed, you have a skill somewhere already. And I don't think you go right towards your passion because nobody cares about your passion, right? Nobody cares about it. But if I think you see a lot of employees, like you said earlier, if you're going to hire somebody, you've got to pay them. They've got to earn two to three or five times what you're paying them to make it worth it for me to hire you. If I'm paying you $100,000, you've got to be bringing in $400,000, right? Yeah, absolutely. Es- essentially. So for me, it was like, well, what is the one thing that I don't have to go make up? What are people needing? Well, we built a good photography world, right? Well, they're paying me a hundred dollars a day, but people are getting paid $4,000 a day to do their weddings. It was a very simple, how do we transfer this to that? And I think a lot of people in a job are like, well, you have a skill. Can you take that skill and then go out on your own and do that for now while you build out what you really want to do? And that's what a lot of times it's, if it's corporate, it's consulting. People don't realize you can go on your own, consult sometimes often with the same company, make more money and have time freedom with that. And then also be able to work for other people. They're so in the employee mindset, they don't see it. So our whole thing was, let's take the lowest hanging fruit. Now, all of a sudden, instead of working 260 days out of the year, I'm working 25 days out of the year, making twice as much money. And on top of it, every wedding I did or corporate shoot I did that went well, the referral went back to our business. It didn't go back to a job. So it just built our business out. So it was, it was then that once that, you know, I get bored pretty easily and when the business is going really well and I'm not feeling challenged, that's years later, we were like, okay, I, I like this. We can keep doing this, but what's the next transition for us? Because we didn't build out any other income streams with the photography side, which was a mistake. We could have built a course. We didn't learn all that at that point. And at that point, I, I literally had a, I was doing a wedding, a very high-end wedding, and I was coaching the DJ because his business was terrible. He was a great DJ. You see that a lot with artists. They're great at art, but they're terrible at business. So I'm walking him through all that stuff. And he's like, dude, this is, this is changing my life. And then we go out to shoot the wedding. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Literally that day, I don't want to be out there. I want to be in here. So that's literally the seed to what we're doing now. And, and from that day on, I came home to my wife and I said, we're transitioning out of this. Man, we're, that's we're so killing. cool too. Because again, you talked about from the beginning, you got a job or I got an opportunity to be taking photos and be out on the field with your heroes. Yep. And then it seems, I don't know if this, Vincent, was like pivotal in your story, but getting to this spot, you're at a wedding, here you are talking to this guy, you're like, dude, this guy's good. Like, he's good at what he does, but he's complaining about his business because he doesn't have the, maybe the business acumen he needs to scale yep. his skill. Yep. And immediately then you realize, hey, I've conquered this battle. Like I've been a yep. hero in my own story, and now I can transition to being the guide. I can help this dude be the hero of his story. He just There's just a lack of knowledge here. 
and you realize that's the next dragon you had to slay, right? Like I could, this is the new dragon. I can, I can teach these people this instead of it just being me rescuing my family. Now I can help other families get rescued and live the life of freedom. That's exactly it. And it's a weird thing because it was always about me. Every, all the stories that you, we talked about before this moment, every bit of the goal was about me. And I'm not ashamed to say that how selfish I was, but I think I had to go through that to learn that over years, people got really excited about the stories. We could do a whole different episode about all the stories from that career, but it's entertaining, but it didn't, to me, it didn't help anybody. It helped me. It helped me get over my insecurities or my lack of being included when I was younger. I got to be kind of cool at something. And then it got kind of empty where I was like, am I just doing this? So I'm like the monkey at the zoo that you come over and, and I entertain you. That's what it was like. And then eventually it was like, it's not about me anymore. We did what we needed to do. I can keep doing this for ourselves or I can transition to an area where I can actually use this to help other people. And that's, I mean, once I make a decision, we make it, we, we just go. And from that day on, we said, how do we start killing this business and start building this? Because I love the challenge of failure. Yeah. Oh, I love that term, by the way, you just said, I love the challenge of failure. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's what holds so many entrepreneurs and, and employees for that matter back is they have something really good and they're not willing to leave it for something mm -hmm. that, that offers something great or offers a chance at a little bit of failure, but a lot of success. You on multiple occasions left really awesome places and positions and top of your field to go risk failure, doing something better, doing something at a higher level. And I don't know if that's something that comes back to that, hey, I don't want to play by the rules or I want more. I, that trait would make so much difference in so many people's lives if they would harness that and be willing to have a little bit of risk and not put themselves in a position financially where they don't have a choice but to stay where they're at. I think that's the other thing society does. It drives us uh, through the cars and the houses and the debt to where you're handcuffed and you're not able, even if you wanted to, to make that leap or make that transition. Totally. And is what I coach people on, especially in the beginning was like, Oh, I can't, I'd love to do that, but I got two car payments and I've got the kids in ballet and I've got, those are all choices you made. Yeah. Sell They're a freaking choices. car. It's your life, dude. Come yeah. on. And I think it's easier to, to say that. I hate to say it, but it's easy to say I'd love to, but I can't oh, because yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Where that's good. My, our whole thing is like, I don't need very much and I really don't care what you think. And, and it makes that so easy. It makes it like, it's not about what my mom and dad think. It's not about what my mother-in-law thinks. If she was not happy when we decided to quit our job at all. <laughs> Literally said to me, is my daughter going to live under a bridge? Hey, I'll tell you right now, this is awesome timing. So last week, my wife, uh, my wife went to college. My wife went to MUSC medical school. My wife uh, is the highest she can get in her field, been doing it for almost 20 years now, she turned in her notice last week, her 30-day notice. We have not told her parents yet. We're scared to death. Her parents are very traditional, very 401k, work for 30 years. So she is leaving everything she's known and everything she's been groomed for in about three weeks now. We're so freaking excited for her to come wow. in and plug in on the business side. But we're scared to death to tell her parents because it's going to be that reaction like, 
what the hell are you doing? This is a safe space, though, Vincent. Her parents do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. I said, one thing, does she listen to the show? When is this publishing? I, that's what I was curious about. <laughs> they don't listen to this. this, this we, got, we now have a clock where we got to tell them before this uh, totally. gets published. Be, so, so the pressure. My, my, my mother-in-law doesn't listen to my show either. Don't worry about it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like, my mother-in-law still doesn't know that we left our jobs. Uh, no. So that rolls a little bit into what you're doing today, Vincent. So again, you kind of pivoted then, and, and I don't think you quit photography that day, right? Like you, no, no, it altered was, your direction. It was it was less than the transition from the newspaper, but it was probably about a year and a half because you know you have you have weddings and and jobs booked out. We're not stupid. We're not going to just hey screw this. We're out. But it was like once I know it's over, the in, in my mind, my heart has to be into it, and if it's not into it. I'm not going to make a bad decision with three kids and a wife, but we're going to slowly start transitioning out. And the same thing like before, if we can start building out and essentially it was coaching to begin with, if we could start bringing up the coaching income, we could start lowering the photography need. So we basically started lowering the amount. So we went from 25 weddings to 20 to 15 to five to where it was like, it's only five weddings. That's, we didn't even need it anymore. And then, so you basically just fade out and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So your world today yeah. is you're a coach, you've created courses, and you run a mastermind community. Yep. And I think there's lots of entrepreneurs that, that have a similar experience to you where they've kind of, again, they've they've reached the summit of the mountain they're climbing. And like, not that they couldn't go higher, but they just kind of know, like, I've, I feel like I've slayed this dragon. I'm ready to move on to something else. And oftentimes it is a, man, I'd like to do some consulting or coaching, but that we can kind of trap ourselves into what we built. And not yep. make the transition that you made. So I know, Vincent, there's lots of people that want to know, like, all right, how does this happen? So can you walk us through a little bit of what you do and how you've done it to go from, again, entrepreneur running your own business that's got a specific you know, skill that you're running to, yep. hey, now I'm working with other entrepreneurs, helping them build their businesses and get to the next level. Yeah. First, the first thing first, I think it really comes down to, just like when I was in school, are you driven by it? Because- if you're not driven by it and it's just about the money, there's enough of us out there that are going to be more driven and you're not going to last. You've got to be able to realize there's tons of hard times when doing this. The first year sucks in every aspect. I don't know about you guys, but every business we've done, we made our biggest mistakes in the first year. You learn everything, the worst clients, and it can, it can crush you. Yeah. So each one, it's kind of like, all right, here we go. Get ready for the beatings because we don't know where the beatings are going to come from but they're going to be there. Um, so the difference between what we build out now and before was we built a one and done type of business, build a photography business, then get out of it, build a wedding. This was different. This was like, and we didn't know it at first, but studying multiple income streams, studying the freedom that comes with that, taking something and building something out off of that. I call it a solar system where it, it all revolves around what we do. So essentially, you know, if, if freedom is the thing that I'm not only living for our life, but I'm teaching other people, what are the things that I'm doing to help them with that? So I started with, we had a course that did very well, but that was a little bit non-related, but it was the foray into this world, but then coaching and that coaching led to confidence. It led to their changes and that led to stories that like, I'm going to write a book. Let's write a book about this. And that, I wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom and that came off of the heels of our success and the success of other people that we've helped, teaching them how to build a life like this, how to, how to create a business and go through the different steps. So now you have a book and you have coaching. Like, okay, those are two things. I don't want to just do all of it. I don't want to just promote a book and I don't want to just coach because I know I'll burn out. 
how do I do multiple things within something that matters? That was the key. It's not like I'm basket weaving over here and I'm going to build this over there. It all had to relate together. So how do we build out a coaching business, make it optimal? And then what's next? And I love asking that question. What's next? What happened was going on podcast. I got started asked, I'm going to, I, I ran a mastermind for another community. Let's build a mastermind. Instead of one-to-one, we can go one-to-many and we can teach. I could say one thing and eight people get impact from it as opposed to one-to-one, but I could still do the one-to-one because I'm not burnt out. And I am ADHD where I'm like, I need different things going on. This is what I learned. And if you're in that realm, it makes a lot of sense. Well, okay. We've got a book. We've got a course. We have a mastermind. Now we have two. Keep it small. Sell it out. Optimal, right? Make it scarce. People want to get in. Now, if you read the book, the 8020, I think it was Perry Marshall, there's people that are willing to pay for what you want, but they all have different pay grades of what they're willing to pay. So if somebody's willing to pay $500 for a mastermind, there are people that are willing to pay $200 for a community, but they don't want the time or money commitment of the mastermind, or they're willing to pay $30 for a content only thing, or they're willing to pay $5,000 to be with you for one day of coaching. It's like going to a baseball game. They don't. You go to a Braves game, there's not one ticket price. You can sit in the nosebleeds just for the experience. You could be on the field for thousands of dollars for a VIP experience. This is what we never learned before. How can we take one thing and build it out from small to large, anything anybody wants, you get to offer that, but it starts with one option and then you build it out. So that turned into a mastermind, into an online community, a lower price, a foundation at an even lower price, now live events, now speaking, and it goes all around and every bit of it fuels the other one because it's rotating around the same thing. I love that tiered model because you're financially going to meet your customers wherever they're at. You're saying, yes. hey, based on what you want to spend, I've got an experience for you. You pick your level and I've yep. laid out uh, my foundation of, of different tiers based on what that looks like for you. And it's given choices, it's given options, it's allowing you to appeal to a wide range. And also the awesome part is watch people grow through the process to, to go from one level to another. I, I think that's something that's really smart from a business strategy standpoint. And I live in the world where I get bored and I like challenges and I like new things. And I struggle so much because I, I so want to listen to the advice of focus on one thing, uh, put all your, your entrepreneur attention into one, one specific thing or or one business or one product and just go hard and go there and I just that doesn't work for me so you've been able to identify one thing but multiple levels and multiple income streams and multiple associations of clients inside of that and I think for for me personally that's a place that that I relate to and and see some clarity and some things I'm trying to build beautiful and, and but I will say I think it is important. The one thing is important because yeah. if we didn't have the one thing, the community was our one thing. Yeah. I want to build out the greatest 100 person entrepreneurial community. That was, that was the goal. When we did that and now you have a focus and you have scarcity and you have a, a, a target. Now I look at it like I'm a general manager of a team where if I was doing 18 different things, this community wouldn't be as good. But my focus is Get rid of the ones that aren't doing it or aren't a good fit and keep drafting people in that are. It makes the community stronger. What happens is when you, have, for us, it was that 100% person community. Now a mastermind can come off of that, right? It, it's born off of that. 
the live events come off that. We sell out our live events in hours from a small group because it's so tight knit. If we didn't focus on that one thing, none of these other things would work as well. Because now, because of that community, now I can go do this thing. But if, if I didn't have that in the middle, so the, the one thing to me is important, but once you have it, it's easy to build the next thing. And all you have to do is maintain that and keep improving it. You don't need to go full force anymore. You go full force with the next thing. So I got a very specific question to ask you in regards to this. So when you're going from coaching to building a community, yeah, I think the, the hard part for lots of people, because I think people have that idea like, oh, I want to build a mastermind. Mm-hmm. But how do you go? I think this goes into the success thing, like how I'll be perceived. At some point, there's the first person to buy in, right? Yep. Can you just walk us through briefly? Because I think again, Vincent, that lots of our listeners, they didn't like they know that this is something that resonates with them. But there's right. that fear of like I can't run a community with just me and one other person. Like, how do I get yep. can you walk us through just briefly what that was like, that experience from going yeah. from no community to hey, I got three people now? I yes. I think I'm so glad I didn't go into it saying I want to build a mastermind. That's why I, that wasn't the focus. I believe in the whole, let's see what happens. And I, I'm very much into connections and relationships and a network. I'm not a networking person, but I'm a, I'm a connector. I like to bring other people together. I like to reach out. I do it every day. It's my hour of giving. I reach out to people with no expectation. I want to see how they're doing. I want to check up on what they're doing. What I notice is very few people do that, even though everybody says, oh, I want to do that or I do. And I only know that because when I stop doing it, even my inbox inbox gets quiet, right? They respond back to me when I respond to them, but I don't have a whole lot of people just reaching out unless they want something. I, I, if that sounds terrible, but it's just for the most part, people are thinking, oh, what can I get out of this? As opposed to how can I just be a better friend or a better, what, what can I think about? So I've done that for years. So when I went on podcasts about my book, when it was coming out, I would have conversations. And one of the guys named Andy Storch, I was on his podcast and he said to me, he goes, well, tell me, I told him, he said, what's next? I said, I don't know. I'm thinking about doing a mastermind because I've been running one, but I'm not sure. And he said, he said, well, tell me about it. I told him the price, this and that. This is what I'm thinking. I don't know. He goes, well, if you're, if you started, I'm in. And I'm like, how'd that happen? So I started, I called another buddy of mine who I'd been friends for a while. We brainstormed together, right? literally asking for advice, not for how do you, how do I sell this? And he said, he asked me questions. He goes, I love the way it sounds. He goes, if you do it, I'm in. And then three or four people say, I had built up so many relationships and I'd been on so many phone calls and helped people and walked them through their business for free. Like we talked about earlier, that when I offered something, they were waiting to join it. It's not a very easy sellable process to the new entrepreneur that wants to start a mastermind because they want to start making money now. It, yeah. wasn't my, it wasn't my goal. It wasn't my like, oh, how do we build this? It was an idea that I loved doing because I wanted to be a part of this mastermind, but they were willing to pay for it. So it really, to me, came down to the network and the connections. It wasn't a lead magnet. It wasn't a funnel. It was relationships where I built trust for a long period of time that they want to come into it. Man, it's so funny because... I seriously, like you talk about your conversation with Andy on the podcast. I was at lunch with a friend one day. He's like, man, you've done all these different things over the years. Like what's, what's next for you? Like, what, what do you get excited about? And I was like, man, I really, I mean, if I could just do anything and I wasn't worried about money, I'd probably do like consulting, you know, coaching. And he's like, well, you'd be great at that. He's like, what would you charge? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, man, I'll hire you. I was like, well, I don't know what to charge you. He's like, let's figure it out. 
And seriously, like over lunch one day with a buddy, and he did. He, we talked about it. We came up with a rate that worked for both of us. And like, I still have that. Guy that my buddy is a coaching client, his company. But it was such a cool thing because, again, I wasn't trying to sell him, but it kind of came about. But I know that people, they, it's kind of hard to just tell somebody, hey, man, I've decided to start charging you for my time now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you've given away yeah. for free, but that, that, I think for a lot of people, is a challenge to go from like zero to one. I yes. think one to two is a lot easier than zero to one. At least it would seem um, from building a, a group like what you've done. Totally. And I think, you know, what, what I've, Michelle Williams, a part of our community, had a great line and I've stolen it from her. That's why I want to give her credit for it. And she said, when you ask for money, you get advice. And when you ask for advice, you get money. Oh, that's good. Ooh, that's, that's really good. When I quote that, it'll, I'll that, say it was that, for me. That, that, I just came up with this great quote. That's really good. And, and I think, too, what's holding back most really experienced and successful entrepreneurs or business owners in their industry from doing coaching or doing a mastermind is the confidence. They don't have, even though they're wildly successful and they have the experiences, they've been through the successes and failures, they don't have the confidence to say, okay, I, I'm starting coaching or I'm starting a mastermind. Yep. But you've showed a perfect model for building that confidence and in the fact of just start doing it start offering it for free, start reaching out to people. How can I help? Or, Hey, you got some questions I'm making help you with from a business standpoint. And not only are you building confidence, you're building your audience and, and building the content and questions behind what you'll teach. And when you look at it from that angle, it seems extremely easy and doable and no risk or, or, or yeah. anything behind it where, where you're, where you're putting your, reputation or your time or money on the line when it's not a manageable situation for you. Yeah. And you're getting better too. Yeah. Every coaching, you know, even right now, when you say something, I think of something else. I'm like, Oh, that, that was because I did an interview two weeks ago where you said something and they laughed and like, Oh, I could say that next time. Like right now with you thinking about coaching, a lot of people go, well, I'm not the best coach in the world. How can I coach? And literally I said that to my first coaching client. I said, you know, I'm not Tony Robbins. And he said to me, he goes, I can't afford Tony Robbins. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And that was a light bulb for me. Like, wait a second. Even though I'm not that, they can't pay for it. So I'm a couple steps ahead of him though. I am ahead of him and that's all he needs. Yep. I didn't need to be, I can't even relate to him if I'm Tony Robbins, but I can relate to him. That was a big turning point for me. Like, oh, I'm, I'm capable of taking him to the next step. And the other thing is when I help teach him to get to the next step, I'm learning so I know what the following step is. So I'm learning along the way to guide him. So Vincent, tell us about your community from the standpoint of if we're coaching, you said for earlier from a photography standpoint, you're doing a lot of weddings. So you had an ideal client. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's people that are getting married. Um, yep. What does your ideal community member look like? First of all, it's a great question for any, but for you and for anybody that's looking for it, as opposed to be like, oh, it's a group of entrepreneurs, right? No. Number one word that I use when I talk to people is generous. Number one word, because if it's not, and it's just a bunch of driven entrepreneurs, it's going to be a very selfish. I grew up in, in the New York journalism. Where we elbow each other out of the way. I got to get my shot. I don't really care about you. I got to get my picture. It's not what this is about. This is about collaboration. And you, so I ask people, what are you going to bring? And a lot of times in the beginning, they would say like, well, what do you mean? Like I'm coming to you, I'm paying you for what I'm going to get. And I said, that's great. If you want to hire me for one-on-one -on -one coaching, you're going to get a ton. But if you're part of a community, what are you going to bring? Because if we have 100 people that are all looking for only what they get and not helping others, it's not a great community. 
And they go, oh, that makes, that makes sense. So they said, well, I love to do this. Or can, okay, so now we have the area where you're going to bring value to other people in the community and you're going to be involved. So I preface it with that. But generous, driven, um, entrepreneurs or in the community part of it, if you're building a business, you don't have to be a full-time entrepreneur because we lift you up. We have a lot of people here crushing it, you know, seven figures, six, all the type of stuff. And we have some beginners and I love that mix. But as long as you are a, we, we interviewed John Mellencamp one time for a, for a photo shoot. And he said, you know, when we're, when we're hiring a, a guitarist, he goes, they all can play the riffs. They can all play it. He said, what's most important is can you hang? Cause we're going to be together for 22 hours right? Can, you can play the song, but can you, and that's the way I look at it. Can you be a good part of this community? Because culture is one of the most important things. So when you have generous, curious, ambitious, helpful, when, when you put those things together, it's a certain type of person. It's not the bro marketer. It's not the, let me pound my chest and tell you how great I am. It's how can I get what I need, but I'm helping you get more. So that's, that's a very big part of what I'm looking for. Man, that's awesome. So I got to give this guy a shout out too, because he's the reason I know you but it's Ken Carfagno. Yes. So I got connected buddy. with Ken just in a Facebook group, and I recognized that. I was like, oh, this guy's different because he was generous with his advice that he gave others, and he was also, it was good advice. And I recognized that. Of course, we're talking about social media. It's the land of bad advice. So he yes. and I connected, and one of the first things he did were through talking. It's, he talked about the community he's a part of. He talked about Vincent. And you and I got a chance to talk on the phone one day. It's many moons ago at this point. But he, as you're saying this, you're describing your ideal community member. I'm seeing Ken and I'm like, yep, yep. Check, check, check. Like he's all those things. He's such a giving dude. And yep. uh, he said so many great things about you and that too. So it's, you know, it goes all around, but that's, so I got another question in regards to that. So everybody's going to yeah. say they're generous, probably going into it. Right. You mentioned yes. something a second ago about they're driving out the wrong people and creating opportunities and space for the right people. Can you just touch on that? Just for a second, like, yeah. how do you do that? And if one of the wrong people is listening to this, they're gonna they're gonna know. Oh, this is what he did. So it'll be very educational for them. Oh, they know. <laughs> how do they're you draw them out anymore? And they know. I, I'm a magnet. I think we all should be magnets. And what a magnet does, it attracts the right stuff. It attracts what you needs to attract, and it repels the wrong stuff. So what I say is, you're not pitching to other people in our group. You're not doing that type of stuff. Now, if work comes to you naturally, because it does. Like we have you know, writing coaches or, or people that do book, book design. And, and if you're naturally a generous person and helpful, people are going to know what you do. And with your wins and successes, they're like, what? They just got another big client, right? They just, hi- they, you know, some big name person just hired them to edit their book. They're immediately without you selling yourself, are going to be like, I want to work with that person, right? So the success of the group will bring work just naturally, right? People will, but you're not going underhanded and saying, hey, you know, hire me for this. And when I find out about that, I kick people out because what you have is you now have a culture where you're worried about you're in this private group and you're worried about being pitched from within. Oh, yeah. And that's not what it's there for. So I make that very clear. And I, I kicked two people out in one weekend last year because of that. How do those conversations start? Is it a phone call? Is it a text message? Is it a Facebook message? Yeah, I want to know. This is the best part, man, because I've been trying to get what? rid of a business partner of mine. I just don't know how to start the conversation. <laughs> One of them, one of them was I found out during one of our live events that this was going on. And then soon as you hear it, you realize, and then other people start being like, yeah, it happened with me too. Happened with me too. So I immediately just took him out of the group, the, the Facebook group, just immediately. And then, but we were at our event. So I remember one of my, one of my friends at the group was like, you don't owe a phone call right now. Cause we're in the middle of it. 
So when we got home after a couple of days, it started by just a message. We didn't even get a chance to get on the phone call. And it got very defensive very quickly on, on their part. And it was, it was uncomfortable yeah. because he was caught. And it was very much like, oh, but this, but that was not the type of client that other people, all the excuses. And then he said, well, you never told us that we couldn't do this. I said, I was very clear about that. He goes, now find it for me. So just very defensive. Luckily, I was just able to do a quick search. And there was my post about it a couple months earlier with his comment underneath it saying, I would never do that. Sent it to him. And then immediately, oh, I got to own up to that one. And it was like, so that was, I mean, that was one of them. It's not fun. Luckily, I think this is very important is I don't mind confrontation. Yeah. And I think if you don't like confrontation, a community is difficult because you need to make hard decisions. John Stong, who's a part of our group, is an amazing member. When this was going on, we, he, he, he mentored me on this and he said, when, when you have sheep, you and a, and, a, and a wolf gets in among the, shoot, the sheep. You can't say to the wolf, oh, will you not hurt the sheep? Just don't, do, it's gonna kill the sheep. If, if you allow it, you have to shoot the sheep. You have to kill it. You have to kill the wolf. It's, it's a terrible analogy. It's, it's a little sad, but it's like, you need to because you need to protect your flock. And that's so I, I take quick action action when it comes to that. And because the integrity of the community is way more important than one or two or four clients. So was this community model after had you experienced uh, something similar before that you were engaged in? Or did you always just crave something like this and say, hey, I, I want to build this because this is something that I could have leveraged as an entrepreneur and I could have been a part of as I'm learning and figuring all these things out? Yeah, I love that. It was, it was, it, I was in a bunch of different communities and every single time I eventually got disappointed. Okay. Because you said I can, always, I can do something better. That, because I'm competitive, but also it always came down to scale. How do we make this bigger? And I didn't want them to make it bigger. As a client, I was selfishly, I didn't want them to make it bigger. I loved what it was at, but they need to get bigger. It needs to be about money. It needs to be about growth. And I was like, why does everything go in that direction? Because you just kill the butt. And what happens after, you know, Dunbar's law, you can only have 150 connections before you start losing touch with people. And so that's where then, you know, 130 person group gets to 200, gets to 500. Now we don't even know anybody. And the people coming in aren't as high a quality because they're being onboarded as quick as because of numbers. So I said, how do we, I always want to do it differently. How do we do it differently? And that's the number hundred stuck with me because I think we can manage it very well. People get to know each other. It's big enough, but it's still very intimate enough. And then I get to be the GM because when I limit that number, now everybody in it knows I've got a special spot. And if I lose this spot, it's going to be taken. Somebody's going to fill it in. But if, if, if I know I'm in a community, that's just unlimited growth. I don't need to show up. I don't need to be there. I don't really appreciate it. But if I know I quit, I'm not coming back. Or if I do something wrong, I'm not coming back. Do you guys have rules People, of engagement there? Because you said if I don't show up, is it if somebody's not showing up, or are you kind of saying like, hey man, is this really for you? Or after a while with that, I mean, there in any community, you're going to have your top thirty that are engaged. You're going to have your middle third. If you have a hundred, right? You're going to have your thirty-three that are always going to be engaged. Your thirty that are lukewarm, and you're going to have your thirty-three that are quieter and they're lurkers. I don't have a problem with that because what we've learned is every step of the way, no matter how high level it gets, it still separates in that way. It's not about that. If, if people aren't engaged for a long period of time, yes, there's people waiting to come in. I will, I will tap on the shoulder. Like you got to, you got to get more involved. Otherwise there's something you can, cause that's why we built out the lower tier, the $30 a month option. Cause it goes 30, 150, 500. 
if you're not participating in the 151 and we have people that really want that spot, just go down to the 30, get the content only like you're getting it anyway. No harm done. You're just not participating. So that's the level we've gotten to now. Where we can push people up into that and bring like you're like you're in a you know major leagues, minor leagues, single A. Depends on where you. So that's the way I view it. My my goal is to make it the greatest 100 person entrepreneurial group that there is. It'll never be there, and that's the that's the most exciting part. We'll never actually get there, but the fight is to keep pushing it to to make that. So you got the mastermind level as well, right? So so is the 100 geared toward the group, and then you can have the 30 dollar kind of like people in the audience or people in the stands and that's unlimited, yep, right? Yep. That's unlimited because there's not, there's not the personal involvement expected with that. So you can come in, you get the replays of the calls that we have. You get the courses that we have. We have one call a month to answer questions for you. It's a really great value, but I don't get involved in there very much because that's could be potentially a lot of people, the hundred people above that. That's my gen. That's where I'd love to be in. And then we have two elite masterminds that are eight people each and they get a two hour weekly call plus just a lot more of my attention and just the higher level conversations within the group. All right. So I got a question for you outside of the $30, cause you can get as many of those as you want. Yeah. From a business perspective, how do you scale the business and revenue? Do you just, do you leave it flat or do you raise prices from time to time? Like how does that work for growing your business when the model is capped like it is? The, the community keeps going up eventually. It just, it's about to go up again. I'm not concerned with it. That's not, the re- See, I'm not the best person asking this because revenue is not, it's not a huge driving force for me. It's way more in terms of how do we build the coolest system, the coolest group. But what happens is, okay, we got the mastermind, the price keeps going up, the community, if it stays where it's at, which is $150, that's fine for me. It very easily can go to 200 or 250 if we want it to. Then you've got the, the foundation, which could go up as well and could be unlimited. But then there's, like we talked about earlier, we have the live events and we charge for those. Those are not free. And oh, you're can- adding the revenue streams yes. into what's already there. That's, yeah, I like so that. So that's why that community is the base. So what I also do is I do one-on-one coaching and my price is not cheap, but what I do is I do a much lower price for community members. So I do a couple of spots a week and only if you're in the community, I give you these spots and you can you can book me. That's another, it's not a huge revenue stream, but it's just another one that would pay a mortgage, right? And then you have that. So you have that. There's a couple others too that we built in into it that, Okay. And it keeps my ADHD brain in, engaged where I can do all these different things, but it's still centered around the community. Dude, that's so awesome. All right, Vince, I got one final question for you. Then I'll let Chad ask a question because I've just been sure. dominating the questions here recently. Um, Chad, uh, Chad, I had the podcast host by myself one episode recently and it was the, we won't even air it. It was a horrible really? guest. He was so dull and boring. And Oh, so he was, hosted it. Not you. No, it was me, but it was the guest. Oh. He like, he stuck me with a guest. It was bad. So, <laughs> all, all I can say is in 60 or 70 episodes, there's been one bad episode and it happened to be the episode I wasn't a part of. I mean, you can blame it on the guest, but I, that's a nice ego boost right there. Yeah. That's good for Chad. It really was like, it had to be when he wasn't here, we get this guest. Sounds like somebody's valuable. Uh, <laughs> oh man. That's funny. If you were going to give advice or counsel to someone again, who, if they're in your shoes, kind of that standpoint of, they're crushing it with where they're at as the wedding photographer and they're getting ready to pivot to something. Now they just know it's time. What advice or counsel can you give that person toward like, Hey, here's the next steps that you want to take. If you didn't want to go into the coaching, consulting, uh, community building lane. Yep. It would be more general as opposed to, and I think it could work with this is I always tell myself that I want to at all times be a beginner in something 
be growing something and be an expert at something. And, and, and it, it levels me out all the time because I, we got to the point, you'll see this with a lot of professionals, you get to the expert level, whether it's your job or your business, and you go, I'm doing really well. I don't really have to work as hard, but I'm bored and I'm kind of empty. And that means you're not being challenged with anything. So I don't care what it is. That's how the podcast started. That's how live events started. That's how so many things we do start because I'm like, I now have to find the thing that I'm going to be a beginner in, that it's very likely that I'm going to fail because I don't know. That keeps me excited like I was when I was 22. That keeps me wanting to learn. But when you're the expert all the time, you think you know everything and you only know this one thing and it's kind of arrogant and it's kind of boring. So if I'm beginning at something, if I'm growing something and I'm an expert at something, I can always weave them in and out. So the expert thing I could either optimize or I could just leave it all together if I don't want it. But the, the growing thing goes into expert stage. Beginning thing goes into growing. What's the next beginning thing? Is it YouTube? Is it whatever it is? I've got to try something that, is it a book? That it's, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to fail. I would say, if you can put that in order, where are you at with that? What is the thing that you're willing to try that you're and if it's coaching and you want to do one-on-one and you're going to do five calls a week for free for two months to get your groove and see if you're any good at it. If you like it, go and then see where that's at. Because I'm telling you, if you only have five spots and they're all free and people keep asking you for it, you go, well, I've scarcity again. I've only got five spots. They're taken. I have one that's paid if you want it. That's how we started with that. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Oh, that's good. That's awesome advice. Vincent, man, dude, I'm telling you, I love this episode. Uh, number one, you said something that you've been doing with working like four hours a week, and I've been doing that for like 10 years. Chad's been mad the whole time. I, like, I like freedom. Who dude. knew you had it figured out the entire time? Here, Josh wears track suits and works four hours a week. I'm over here dressed up my, working 50. My goal in 2021 was to not wear pants, like long pants. That was my, that's my goal. So, But I ran into this dilemma last week because I'm running this retreat. Like It's my retreat. And I said to my crew, my crew I said, are you guys cool if I wear shorts? Because I'm not wearing pants. And they're like, we wouldn't expect you to wear. Like, I'm not. So, I mean, you see the video. I'm wearing shorts because that's I'm not wearing pants. You got to be careful. Hey, you can't say pants optional. Some people, I guess, they, yeah. They, people can take it the wrong they way. Mess that thing up. What kind of retreat am I going on, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> what have you signed us up for? I mean, it says There's total a, life freedom. My wife is going to be pissed about this. There's not only me with no pants, even though it's shorts, but my son brought his tarantula and his scorpion. Every retreat now, they come because he's got a tarantula and scorpion. And it was a joke at first because we were in Gatlinburg. And he took it with us just because we travel with it. And then it became a thing of like, oh, my God, like, I'm scared of that. I'm like, you run this incredible business, but you're scared of a little spider. So it became like a, a ritual now. So like almost every retreat, they come and somebody holds a tarantula and they get over their fears. It's like, so we got tarantula, scorpions, and me wearing shorts. That's the... <laughs> That's the, that's the selling point right there. That's awesome. It's the three uniques. So it was perfect, man. That's Vincent, great. thanks so much for your time. Tell us one more time for, from a podcast standpoint and where our listener can find more of Vincent. Yeah, thank you. Um, Total Life Freedom Podcast is the show. The website has everything, which is Total Life Freedom. And also, I wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom. I recorded the audio book. I give it away for free. So it's on the website. It's totallifefreedom.com slash F2F book. I don't know. I'll send you a link if you guys want to share it. Um, anybody that wants the full book, I love giving it away. Seth Godin gave me great advice, which was when you're launching a book, get the book into 10,000 people's hands. And if it's good, people will talk about it. So I, I want the, 
the word to spread. That's awesome. Love it, man. It's been so awesome. Uh, you've shared so much wisdom and value with us. Uh, you've helped Josh and I. You've helped our audience. Can't thank you enough. Excited to plug in more and just continue to watch where this journey takes you and uh, continue to learn from everything you're doing, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. You guys are awesome. This is so much fun. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.